In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing arson prevention. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Do You Smell Smoke? Kind of. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we usually do. Uh, This verse is 1 Kings 16, verse 18, and it reads like this. And it came to pass when Zimri saw the city was taken, that he went into the palace of the king's house and burnt the king's house over him with fire and died. So an example here of arson, um, something that has existed for probably as long as man could make fire. Um, It was being used to destroy buildings or destroy structures of some sort. And it's really become a problem in the most recent years. Now, the FBI statistics are behind three years. um, And so that's only a slight increase over the last decade or so. But anecdotally, I can tell you that I'm hearing of a lot more arsons, a lot more churches being vandalized and fire being uh, one of the more popular ways of destroying a church. And so I really believe that as the FBI statistics catch up, we're going to see it continuing to climb and climb and climb. And I'm sure you've heard of plenty of arsons occurring at churches or at least investigations that are going on. Also, this is October, which is Fire Safety Month. So it's a good time for us to revisit our policies and procedures on evacuation and responding to small fires and that kind of stuff. Before we continue, I would want to just take a moment to, for you to, sh- you know, encourage you to share this video with your team and then drop down into the description, get the show notes and have a discussion. Now, as I kind of told you already, um, we're only going to kind of be talking about this article. The article itself really focuses on some of the basics that it's a good review of the basics, but I'm going to take it in a different direction and talk about arson prevention. So you're definitely going to want to read the article. You want to get the show notes and then maybe take some notes to as you listen to this program to expand on it a little bit to get into arson. So let's get into some news stories. Um, first one is Phoenix, Arizona, May 17th, 2022. A fire started on Tuesday morning at the Grace Point Church in downtown Phoenix. It was severe enough to cause part of the roof to collapse. A dozen persons staying in a homeless shelter in the church were evacuated. They lost all their possessions um, but escaped without injury. So that's sad and good at the same time. At least nobody got hurt. Um, South Point, North Carolina, September 22nd, 2019. Fire started at the Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Southport on a Sunday morning. The priest and the staff safely evacuated everyone from the building and help put the fire out. The damage was minor. So great, here it is, a church that knows how to evacuate its people and knows how to address a small fire. Perfect. This is what all of our teams need to be trained to do, to include staff and volunteers from other uh, ministries. West Nashville, Tennessee, March 28, 2022. It was a Monday morning. Firefighters responded to a report of smoke in the West Nashville Cumberland Presbyterian Church. 
Um, everyone in the daycare and in the church was evacuated. There was no fire and the source of the smoke was not found. Yeah, that's kind of curious, but they evacuated. They saw smoke. They took action. Good deal. Um, Shan, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to say this. Let's go with Pennsylvania. Um, August 6, 2022, it was Saturday night at the campground of the National Association of the Church of God of Shenanago Township. That's my best guess. Um, everything was ready for the annual conference to begin on Sunday. Uh, then a fire broke out in a uh, into a fire broke out in the dining hall and spread to the adjoining dormitory. Fire departments from Pennsylvania and Ohio responded. Two people in the building got out safely. Uh, the conference was um, the conference start started as scheduled, so that's good. All right, Becker, Illinois, September nineteenth, two thousand twenty-one, a historic rural church building of the St. Paul's Lutheran Church burned to the ground on Sunday afternoon. Oktoberfest was in progress in the parking lot. When the fire began in the church, all the people in and around the church were safely evacuated. Peace River, Alberta, Canada, July 3rd, 19, um, I'm sorry, 2021. Our Lady of Peace Roman Catholic Church in the Peace River was hit during a string of attacks targeting Catholic churches in Canada in protests of abuse over a century before. A bishop and a local priest were there on a Saturday night when someone threw two Monotov cocktails through the windows. Two clerics, um, two, two clerics limited damage by fighting the ensuing fire until firefighters arrive. So there's a lot of these. I mean, really, you've probably heard about what's going on in Canada. Lots of churches being um, burned down. Um, the threat also has been going on for some time here in the United States, climbing over the last few years with uh, different protests and things like that. That's mostly affecting churches in uh, more built-up areas, but there's still a threat, of course, to that happening even in the smallest churches. And what I want to talk to you about is really how Crime prevention is arson prevention, and we're going to, I'm going to give you some practical steps on it, but first I want to talk to you about basically three types of arsonists that we're going to be discussing. The first type of arsonist is basically just your general troublemaker. This is your maybe your someone who's a pyromaniac or just likes to watch things burn, and they're going to commit arson as basically a crime of convenience. You know, so... They're at the church, they're in the parking lot, or on the property, or whatever, and they're messing around, fooling around, looking for to get, you know, get into some trouble in some one way, shape, or form, and things are in, set in place. Maybe it's an overflow dumpster, or a pile of brush and leaves and branches and stuff like that, what we call arson attractors. And they see that, and they just, they flick the match, they light the match, they, you know, to start a fire. So that's one type. The next type is the one that is targeting a church. They want to burn a church down. And we can break them into two categories. The one, the larger of the two categories, are the ones that don't want to get caught. They want to burn the church down, they want to get away, and they want to get away you know, without any legal problems. Then the smaller group, the smallest group, is those who don't care if they get caught. They're going to burn down their church and there's just nothing anybody can do to stop them. 
So let me talk about those first. Those are kind of like your active shooters, right? They are a determined enemy force intending on burning down the church. They don't care if they get caught. They don't, matter. They don't care what happens. They're going to do it. The only way to stop that kind of person is if you actually had somebody at the church trained and prepared to stop them. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about deadly force, though in a lot of jurisdictions, attempting to burn a building with people in it is, is considered deadly force and could be responded in like. Now, we know that it, laws are a lot more complex than that. So I'm not telling you to shoot somebody who's running at your church with a gallon of gas. I'm just saying that in some jurisdictions, depending on the situation, that might be the way they get stopped. Or it might be some other less lethal use of force or being able to have, call the police and have the police respond on time. Um, like I said, for those determined people that don't care if they get caught or not, they're extremely hard to catch or um, to stop but um, without somebody actually there and trying to stop them. Then the next group, the next, two, the next two groups is kind of what I'm addressing here. The people that want to burn the church but, um, and don't want to get caught, and those that are just burning the church for recreational purposes, if you will. What it comes down to is, like I said, crime prevention is arson prevention. So the same things we would do to reduce the risk of somebody vandalizing the church or breaking into the church are the same techniques that we use to stop arson. The first one is eliminating any arson attractors, right? So that means we don't let piles of sticks and bushes and all that kind of dried stuff on the property. We don't want that attractor. We don't want someone to say, hey, I can make a bonfire right here, right now. We don't want our trash cans to be overfilled. Or once again, somebody can flick a cigarette in there, drop a match in there, and they get to have the dumpster fire. We don't want that. If we have a shed with lawn equipment or those kind of things, we want to make sure that that shed is secure, especially if there's fuel in there, gasoline for the mowers, stuff like that. Quite honestly, those kind of things should be locked up in a cabinet. They make fire resistant cabinets for fuel, oils, paints, all those flammable things to go in there. And having that locked is another another barrier. So if they break into the shed looking to get into trouble and all of the fuels are locked into a second cabinet and they can't get in there, you can see how that's not an ar that's not going to help them with their arson. So we want to make sure we address those things. The next things are is this you really need to go to your property sometime after the sun goes down and do an evaluation, um, almost going there thinking like a criminal and just evaluating the property and think about the things that need to change. The first thing is a term, it's called territoriality. And what territoriality is, and I'm probably saying it just a little bit wrong, is it's clearly marking out the church's property lines. So that could be done through landscaping, mowing. Sometimes people will have bushes or decorative plants or grasses planted along the, the border. It could be fences. It could be all kinds of stuff that kind of says, hey, this is our property line. We care about it and we're going to maintain and we maintain it. What that does is one, for the ones that are just looking for trouble or for the ones that don't want to get caught, 
when it's clean, it's, it's, it's less attractive, basically. It looks well taken care of, and they feel a little bit watched because bushes and trees are also properly trimmed and maintained. Now, a properly trimmed bush and trees are typically create what they call the 4-7 window. That means that bushes are trimmed down to about 3-4 feet, and tree branches are trimmed up to about 7 feet. And what this does is it creates that 4-7 window where people on the outside of the property can look into the property and through the property and people inside the property also see clearly outside. So it's clear lines of sight. So someone who doesn't want to get caught um, feels, starts get, to get the sense that they're easily spotted from roadways or nearby properties or anyone who might be in the church can clearly see out and see them on the property. So we're starting to create this feeling that they're be, they could be seen. They could be seen. The next part of that that adds to all of that, of course, is if you can have cameras that monitor the property, the property lines, you know, the property as much as possible out to the property lines, with a couple cameras, um, you can, you know, usually with about three, four cameras, you can do this depending on the size of your church and all that good stuff. And then, of course, hanging up some signs that says this property is monitored by cameras. Once again, we're adding to that whole, you could be seen, you could be caught. We have cameras. People can see you from the roadway. They can see you from neighboring pro property. They could see you if the janitor's in there late at night. They don't know. They might get that idea that someone could be in there seeing them. That's what that's all about. And then next is you know getting closer to the building just looking at what kind of bushes what kind of what kind of plants do we have around the building itself and maybe they need to be trimmed maybe there's some dead stuff that needs to be moved away you know um, that kind of that kind of stuff and then also you're looking at lighting lighting is also extremely important you want good lighting coverage now I'm not saying that you need to leave your you know, your parking lot lights on all night long. But if you, if you have a larger parking lot, it does make sense that there are some that are always on to give some light in that area. And then, of course, as you get closer to the building, we want more coverage of light. Now, the light's not shining out, so it doesn't create a shadow. I want you to kind of picture this. It's late at night. There's a light on the side of the church. It's shining towards you, and because it's so bright and it's almost shining at you, that it creates a dark spot underneath it or, or between lights. You might have two of these and it has a shadow. You don't want lights pointing out from the building. You want lights pointing towards in the building, covering the building. So think more in the sense of accent lighting, right, that doors are well lit, and you can see the doors clearly. Windows and other doors around the building are well lit, and you can see them clearly. And so once again, this adds to the total package of protection, which is really coming down to, as you, if you're hearing me, is observation, or at least the feeling of being observed. And so you walk up to that window to throw a brick through it, you know, because as you walked up, that people can see me, and they got cameras, and I'm walking up to this window that's well lit, and anyone that's looking here can see me, because when I walked up, the window was well lit, or the door was well lit, and that's what we do. And if we do those kind of things, now this doesn't guarantee that our, your church will never be burned down. 
I can't guarantee that. You know that. The idea here is we're taking reasonable steps to mitigate the risk and to prevent at least those two groups of burning the church down. The other one, um, sometimes, you know, like I said, a determined enemy, it's pretty hard to stop them without boots on the ground, if you will, without somebody there monitoring the property. But anyway, that's what I have for arson prevention. Definitely check out the article. There's a lot more in the article. It's not about arson prevention, but it's more about responding to fires, um, proper inspections, and fire extinguisher stuff. I mean, it's a pretty thorough art article. and give you a lot of things to think about and talk about with your team. Um, other than that, training's going great. I just looked today. We have 700 active students right now going through the training. A um, lot of churches, a lot of people um, working towards their certification. It's it's pretty exciting time. Um, if you're interested in getting on this this quarter or even the next quarter that's going to start in about a month, you know this is time to get on there. Enroll yourself. Enroll your church. Start working towards you know what your total training plan is going to be, and um, you know thinking not only about the team but staff and volunteers and all that good stuff. There's a good time to get it done. You know we're all well within in the school year, so. Hopefully, other than chasing our kids around to their basketball practice and stuff, um, <laughs> we have time to get this training done. Other than that, thank you so much for being here this week. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.